It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on this edition of Locked On Wizards, Matt Moderno, host of Believe in Wizards podcast with Larry Hughes, and writer with Bullets Forever, joins Locked On Wizards to talk through the Wizards Pelicans, his interview with Troy Brown Jr., and what he's been seeing from the Wizards so far in the NBA restart. Listen to all those details and more right here on Locked On Wizards. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Wizards here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Renee Washington, and joining me on this edition of the show, we've got Matt Moderno, host of Believe in Wizards podcast with his co-host, Larry Hughes, and writer with Bullets Forever. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I am happy to have you here, especially since for the Wizards, it's a great time to just break down what we've been seeing in their start for the NBA restart and the scrimmages, the games so far, and especially since we both have been following the team closely just to dive deeper into what's been going on. So after the Wizards dropped another loss, four straight as they dropped a loss to the Sixers, they still have not had the chance to get over that hump and win their first game between their scrimmages and their official games on the NBA restart. You know, can you talk me through what you've seen so far from this young group of players that are getting experience that's hopefully going to go a long way for this franchise? You know, I think they're getting closer. Like, I, I saw some uh, encouraging signs overall. I thought, for the most part, they, they put up at least a pretty good fight against, um, you know, a, a pretty solid 76ers team. Obviously, they lost Ben Simmons reasonably early in that game. Uh, but, yeah, at least there seemed to be more consistent effort all the way through. Still not the whole game, I wouldn't say, but um, they just they seemed to put up a little more fight, I thought, in a couple of the earlier games. Uh, the effort sort of waned at, at certain points. So this was a little better to see, I think. Absolutely. That's a great point. And first of all, just a shame to hear that Ben Simmons partially dislocated his left kneecap. That's an awful, awful thing to hear as that news broke out on Thursday. But, you know, for the Sixers-Wizards matchup, that was a game that was a challenge for them. Coming into it with of course, at the time, a healthy Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, you know, Shake Milton, Josh Richardson, just across the board, the depth, the talent, the versatility of the Sixers. It was definitely a game that was going to challenge the Wizards. And I agree. I felt like they, they did a great job hanging with them throughout the game. And you saw some glimpses of, of just hard fought plays on either end of the floor. That was positive that you could take away from it. You know, and, and even seeing that game for Thomas Bryant, another double double. And of course, he joined the rest of the team later after testing positive for COVID. He's had injuries throughout the year. You know, how much is all this NBA restart as a whole giving him this chance to really shake the cobwebs off and have big minutes and, and get double doubles and see his hard work paying off on the scoreboard? You know, talk me through how much you feel as though this is going to help him in the long run. It's such a young player with a lot of potential. You know, I think it just accelerates the learning curve. Like you need those minutes and those reps um, to, to be able to be – good at anything in life so it's just whether he gets them now or early next season it's I'd rather have him do it now when there's sort of not as much at stake than when they hope to come out of the gates you know pretty strong next year so I think any benefit you know even if it's minimal it's still worth it for them and I've seen a lot of the same sort of posts about oh why are we even there and it's like who who cares like it just 
if this is, if there's any like mild benefit from it, I, I don't understand why people wouldn't want to see that. And if you're just not enjoying the current product, don't watch and hope that it leads to something better next year. Hey, look, you don't have to watch, but I mean, as you say, it, it's, it's a shame to hear people that are just w- making those rude comments. There are teams that wish they were playing in the bubble right now, whether you're the, the last team in your conference or not, you know, there are teams that are sitting at home wishing that they were playing and, and not having this opportunity to play more basketball, play the sport they love and have a chance to get better. So I shake my head at anyone that comments, you know, what's the point or why are they there? You know, why not? These players are all getting another chance to play basketball and whether it's just eight games and they're done, at the end of the day, it's games that four and a half months ago were not expected that they were even going to get in the first place. And yet here they are. Yeah, I mean, exactly. If, if, you know, if they were the four seed in the East, that obviously would be better. But mm-hmm. of the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, I think they're in a better place than a lot of them. I think there's a reasonable expectation that, you know, next year they're, they're back in playoff contention. I don't really know what the ceiling for that is, but, you know, it sort of depends on what those sort of fringe periphery moves are that, that Tommy Shepard makes. But it just this just seems like a net positive to me. And, and at the end of the day, even if it wasn't probably good for player development, I'm still just happy to see like our team on the court. Exactly. It's just another chance for them to play. The games have been competitive for the most part. They've been, you know, showing g- growth from game to game. We've seen moments that you see the progress really paying off for them and, and really learning, as you mentioned, just speeding up this learning curve for some of these young guys. But also I think about the Sixers, where they were five years ago to now. You know, when you look at some of the franchises across the league that right now are in playoff contention and in the, na- in the group of names of teams that are top in their conference, they weren't always there. It took time to get there. And it took a lot of, you know, tanking and, and losing and whatever other terms you want to say. But at the end of the day, losing and taking their lumps to get to this point, tanking or not, just losing altogether to get to a point that they're a playoff team. And for the Wizards, I think we're going to see – who knows when it'll turn around and hopefully sooner than later. But I, I do feel like as we're even talking to these, this growth that we're seeing in the players, this is something that's going to pay off so much. The team bonding off the court, them being in the bubble and having a chance to just practice and play more. It's kind of like a tryout period or a preseason for them for next year in, in a sense to really be able to see who's going to step up four and a half months to work out, who's going to step up and come back ready to play like Isak Bonga did and impress a lot of people. And who's going to be someone that maybe we have to look at a different role to maybe trade or, or move to open up space for someone else. So it really, right now, this is like the chopping block. It's like Survivor. <laughs> it's giving me those yeah, vibes. no, you're 100% right. Um, I, I would fully <laughs> agree with all that. And, and I, I've seen another set of posts that's, hey, this is embarrassing. Why don't we just oh. blow the whole thing up and, and trade Beal? And it's like, this fan base can't handle this year and a, you know a somewhat somewhat disappointing year last year like a, a rebuild is a long slow thing and that's if you get it right like Philly hit on two really good players but they also had so many picks that they busted on a lot so it's you need a little bit of luck in that and if you're not lucky that rebuild could be sort of you know in like prolonged and and it's not that far the Wizards aren't that far removed from being a good team like 2017, they were, you know, a couple bounces away from an Eastern Conference Finals. And mm-hmm. we're acting like, you know, it's been 15 years of just like, you know, lottery picks. And so I can't imagine what people would look like if they really did blow it up. And it just, if you can't be patient with this group, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say. And it's, I even saw a couple other ones today that were like, 
you know, I, I even preferred the days where we had Blatch and McGee and, and Nick oh. Young. It's like, cause at least they had talent. Our young guys now don't have talent. It's like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Everybody's got to just take a deep breath. I think. Yeah. Just relax. Just relax. I mean, when, first of all, how long did Sixers fans have to trust the process? Let's not act like that happened overnight. As you mentioned, there were players, Markel Fultz is one that comes to mind, that didn't pan out as they were expected to. There were a number of players that had to be moved, and now they are a team that is sitting in, in the top six spot in the East, but they were not always there. And it, even now they're still figuring things out. Like it's Aside from some of these top teams you know, in the league, when you look at the Warriors dynasty that they had a couple years ago, when you look at what any team LeBron is on, it's different, of course. If you, have a, if you have the ability to bring in the top players, that some of the top players that ever play basketball together. But for the Wizards, as you mentioned, they are right there. You know, sitting at number nine coming into the restart and then watching each of these games, I mean, they haven't lost in, in a – I mean, the Sixers game was close. The mm-hmm. Nets game, they lost by eight. The Suns game, they lost by 13. You know, the Pacers game, they lost by 11. They haven't lost by 20 or more points. And they're just getting blown out to the point that – it's just been awful basketball. There are moments that are a little flat and a little off. There are moments their shooting may not be great or they might not communicate, and, and then it shows on the defensive end. But as a whole, they're right there. So it, it is a shame to see those posts. But, you know, what? I want to get your thoughts, actually, around what you think the Wizards should do moving forward. So coming up, we will get into – if you're – I'm, I'm going to put your GM front office hat on and ask you some, some deep questions around – what the Wizards should do moving forward. So we'll get into that in a moment. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Moderno here with me on Locked on Wizards, the host of Believe in Wizards podcast with Larry Hughes and writer with Bullets Forever. We were just talking through, Matt, about what we've been seeing from the Wizards so far in their first four games of the NBA restart and just how much growth we've been seeing as a whole moving forward. That's been a big discussion around this franchise. What will the Wizards do moving forward? Trading players, moving players, keeping players. You know, this is a tryout period for the current guys on the roster that are in the restart, especially. Putting on your GM hat. There's no wrong answers here, of course, because at the end of the day, we're just two people talking on a podcast. <laughs> we're not the big decision makers. Thank but goodness. I'm definitely curious. First question, trade or keep Bradley Beal? Which would you do? Uh, keep. And the main reason I say that, I think people kind of – you see a lot of comments about how what good is it if your team's only going to be a five or six seed. And to me, there, there's a lot of value in that longer term because – any team success, you know, that's successful that that brings in free agents. There's some track record there of of being, you know, on the way up and being being a at least a fringe playoff team. Like you have to have some amount of at least reasonable success to attract other people in. 
Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, no one's going to want to come here if we're just a bottom feeder every year. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. You play it out. He wants to be here. You can't take that for granted, I think. It's not like we're some free agent mecca. So, you know, you, you, you do the best you can to build around them. I think that's the more important part. Yeah, I think at 27 years old, he still has so much room to grow. He still has so much of his peak basketball career left, so to speak. So, you know, I think coming off this year where he definitely should be an all-NBA player regardless what is voted upon, he definitely should have been an all-star player regardless, <laughs> despite the fact that he was not. You know, I think he still is someone that has shown he's a top, not only scorer in the league, but a top player in the league. And to trade him, as you mentioned, I think it actually just takes away from what leverage the Wizards would have. Because when you look across, you know, the history of any, any player, and whether it was free agency or, or, or just looking for where they're going to move in a trade, a lot of it comes around, okay, what is there for me that I would enjoy? You know, when LeBron was moving to the Lakers, part of the reason wasn't just basketball. It was the fact he wanted to get involved in films. And being out in L.A. gave him the opportunity, being in Hollywood to expand his career and work in some other areas he wanted to get into. You know, D.C., although D.C. is great, you know, we, we love D.C., um, it may not have as much attraction, especially on the basketball side, if you remove Bradley Beal. So I don't think it makes sense to remove and, and trade Bradley Beal and bring someone else in because who's going to come in that's going to be better than Bradley Beal? Who are you going to get that's better than him that would want to come to the Wizards? So that's my thought process on it. Trade or keep John Wall. If you, if you had to choose, are you moving him? Or are you keeping him coming off of an injury that we have seen that is very tough to recover from at his age? Do you keep John Wall or do you trade him off this Achilles injury? I, we have seen him back in the gym working, but we don't know what, what's going to happen in the future with him recovering from this Achilles injury. Unless he comes back and looks like he's 115%, I don't think they have much of a choice in the matter. Uh, I, I just can't see anybody you know, wanting to pull the trigger and take a chance on that, unfortunately. I mean, I, I have faith that he'll come back at a reasonable level, just given what we've seen and what you hear from everybody in the organization. But you know, even Achilles injury aside, there's just a long, you know, history of injuries at this point, And that's a lot of money. So there are very few teams that could even make that deal work uh, in the first place. So, uh, you know, we'd actually probably have to give up some assets mm-hmm. attached with him at this point. So I, I just don't see that any way that they pull that off or, or we would want to, to be fair. Right. No, that's, that's the other issue. You have to take into consideration what a trade would involve. It's not as simple as moving a player. And, you know, at 29 years old, given the amount of injuries he's had, his body physically is a, is a little – has more wear and tear, and you just don't really even know if, if it makes sense to, to trade him if that even came up as an option. Okay, interesting. So then um, I'm not, I don't want to ask you this, but I'm curious. You know, we, they're looking at the roster right now, what moves would you make? Who do you think right now is showing as a player that could be in that – top six of this Wizards team moving forward, top six, top seven, that you want to keep and continue to build once you bring back DB, Wall, and Beal? I definitely – I don't think I'd trade anyone that's, that's in the rotation there right now um, in the offseason. Now, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe before the trade, de- trade, uh, trade deadline, that's a different <laughs> story. But uh, I just th- – I think you give them enough time to see how this team sort of looks with everybody back on the court, and you just see how – how they gel. I think the problem with the bubble is while it's great for development, I don't know how great it is for them from an evaluation standpoint for next year, just because the roles these guys are playing right now, the context is totally different with wall Beal, potentially Mm -hmm. Berton's back. So what, what you're asking them to do and, and, and 
and try to produce, uh, you know, that that's not going to be what you need from them next year. So I think you, you just sort of let it play out a little bit longer and, and you see what everyone brings. If there is a name, uh, I wouldn't trade this person because again, I'm a big fan, but uh, Thomas Bryan is probably the guy that, that would be the most realistic option. And mm-hmm. that's partly because he's young and has upside, but uh, the contract is just a very tradable contract. It, it's team friendly and there's just not a lot of contracts in the NBA that are sort of in that, that dollar amount that his are. So it, it, it makes it sort of a good piece to go into a, to a larger deal. I think. You bring up some great points. And I think right now, um, something that people have to remember, anybody that's really watching the wizards and paying attention is this is not the time to panic. And that's something that we keep alluding to and everything we're saying, like, Stop panicking and posting, why are the Wizards in Orlando? Stop panicking exactly. and saying that, throw them all away and start again. No, the, you know, that's not the answer. Because as you mentioned, right now, although we're seeing these players on the floor and we're, this is like a tryout period for them, the game is completely different. Like I, was, I was looking at some of the plays that Troy Brown Jr. had, some of his passes, which are he makes some great passes, and we'll talk mm-hmm. more about him in a little bit. But I'm thinking, wow, imagine if that's, Beal on the other end of that or John exactly. Wall on the other end of that pass. Now some of these missed shots are, are going in. It's an assist. An assist were going the other way. So that's something that even head coach Scott Brooks has said. They were watching film of the 2017 playoffs, watching John Wall and Beal at their both being healthy on the floor together. The, a lot of the conversation to me has seemed like they are almost looking at this as a period to prepare them for them coming back to play with them. Not just a matter of, okay, who can we move but let's get these players the confidence, the reps, the minutes, the experience. And they, they consistently keep weaving in, you know, what we were talking to them about, this is how Beal plays. You know, it's a lot off of the, your top two, especially with John Wall and Beal, and of course, Owen Bertans in that as well, that they're preparing for next year with them back, not preparing for next year to just move everyone and start clean and, and just like throw everyone away and bring in new players. Exactly. Now, of course, as we're sitting having this conversation in August, we don't know what will change, but... I agree. I don't think it makes sense to just be so quick to judge these players off of the restart when this team right now is a completely different team. If you even bring back one of those players, just one. So I do want to ask though, a great question has been brought up around Bertans, potentially six man of the year. When he was the news broke, he was not going to be in Orlando. Devastating news. But would you consider or continue keeping him as a six man? Or do you think he's Maybe in this time shown, he should be someone that's in the starting rotation for the point of speculation. I, I love a good hypothetical. So this is, <laughs> this is right up my alley, I think. Um, <laughs> that's all we do best, right? <laughs> it, it's, it's all you can do, you know, at a certain point in the year too. Um, you know, on paper, I, I think he's, personnel-wise, I actually think he, he makes sense in the starting unit. And I, to me, just, I don't think this long-term, but for if you can get him back on like a nice two-year deal or whatever, you start him next year. You give Hatchamore another year to develop, kind of add some different tricks to his bag. I mean, I think we've seen a little bit in Orlando right now how how Rui being a focal point of an offense against, you know, top-tier starters, uh, it's tough. I mean, it's a tough ask for him. And But but Bertans is sort of more complimentary offense and, and just the idea of, you know, him spotting up in the corner and, and Wall doing that one-handed cross-court bounce pass to him for an open mm-hmm. three is, is appealing to me. Um, I also think... Bertans was a reasonable team defender this year, or or is at least savvy enough to know to know where to be and and to kind of cut off angles. I don't, you know, he's not a lockdown player by any stretch, but um, he kind of makes sense uh, to me given sort of the rest of that context. Whereas 
if you can have Rui off the bench, um, you know, that, that just gives you some scoring punch off the bench. And, and that's been a problem for the Wizards for, for sort of a long time. He can actually create a little offense for himself where, where Bertans really can't. So you put Bertans with a, a top-tier creator like Wall, that seems like an easy fit. And then you let Rui sort of feast on, you know, backup players that are going to try to guard him, to hopefully to limit, you know, limited success. That would be my take. I'm curious to hear your, your thought on that one, though. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that definitely stood out to me was he's, he's proven himself. So I, I like the thought of moving Bertans in with the starting five. And then I do think some of these players right now, Rui actually is a great one that you bring up. But even, um, you know, we've seen what Jerome Robinson's doing off the bench, Shabazz Napier's doing off the bench, um, Ish Smith, you know, Troy Brown Jr. even. So, I mean, I don't know what the starting five looks like. You, if you have D.D. Wall, Beal, Thomas Bryant, I don't know who that fifth guy is. Troy Brown Jr., in my opinion, is, is the one that's been most consistent as the fifth player in that lineup. You know, you do have flexibility now to have a player like Rui. And right now the players that are starting in your restart are coming off the bench. And I think that is what these players are. You know, I don't think any of these players, for anybody that's ready to just, you know, give up on the Wizards altogether, you're, you're watching second unit players, role players, that are having to do the work of a starting five and, and lead. And that's not them. You know, that's, that's not in their wheelhouse some players are superstars. At least not yet. Not. At least not yet, right? Not I mean, yet. Exactly. Like Rui Hachimura as a rookie, we've seen him make strides. I know people have already been comparing him to Kawhi Leonard on the offensive side. His defensive side needs work. His perimeter game needs work, and especially in the confidence to be more of a threat from the perimeter. But he's so young. You still haven't seen enough from him. So I think it's going to take them time. Look at some of the best six men to play in the league that are now some of the best players in the league. James Harden has... I watched the Rockets play the Lakers Thursday night. Um, you know, there are players that in the early parts of their career may have been a true sixth man, seventh man, but now end up being fast forward future in their career, a top player. I'm not saying Rui Hachimura is going to be a James Harden, but I'm saying right now the role might be coming off the bench. And I think that makes most sense for a majority of the players in this group that we're seeing. You know, they get a good draft pick to come in, another young player that you can start working into the system. And these players that are getting this experience, confidence builder in the restart are now your five to, to eight players um, on the roster instead of one, two, and three like we're seeing in the restart. So I definitely agree. I think DB needs, should be a starter moving forward. I think he's shown that he's ready to step up into that role. Yeah, everybody's so kind of quick to, to make a lasting, you know, determination on, on what kind of career a guy's going to have. And after three scrimmages, it was, oh, Jerome Robinson is such a waste. Like, why did we get him? He can't make a shot. And now those same people a week later are are like, oh, yeah, he's a great scorer off the bench, and I'm so glad we got him. So it, it, you just – things change really quick in the NBA. Guys get hot. Guys get cold. Like, you know, maybe the first three scrimmages is more representative of what he's like as a player, and, and the last couple games of, of this season have been more of the aberration. So – it's just kind of too tough to tell and, and people can't be so quick to judge. You know, Paul George wasn't good his first two years in the league Bingo. and he's, he's done okay. I, I think so. I mean, <laughs> we should, we should all just, again, take a big deep breath, let them, you know, let them play and don't try to draw, you know, too many lasting conclusions out of what we see for these next four games or, or maybe more, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I even look at a player like Paul George, who we thought was, he was great, got, gets hurt that awful injury he had and came back better. 
You know, I, yeah. it's like you just don't know how players are going to develop and progress, you know, over the course of especially looking at the top players right now over the course of their careers, Kawhi Leonard, you know, they didn't they didn't come into the league like LeBron did. Even Michael Jordan took time to get going. You know, it takes players time to get going in the NBA as they grow, you know, adjust to the physicality and the speed of the play and, and all the other elements that go into it. So it is just, you know, very naive and, and um, a shame to see people that just are quick to write players off or, like you said, make these, like, final decisions that this player has to be this role. You know, Jerome Robinson is a player that, as we talk about, without the big three – his role is completely different. He might actually do even better with having Bradley Beal on the floor and John Wall because, I don't know, big surprise here, there's less pressure. So now he's catching the ball in, in more open positions on the floor to be able to knock down shots versus having no, none of those players on the floor and teams are able to match up with them man-to-man and not having – or in his own and not having to uh, focus on any specific Wizards player. So the game just changes so much. Look at the Bucks. When, they, when Giannis was not on the floor and the Bucs are playing the Brooklyn Nets, completely different team. Chris Middleton's not on the floor, completely different team. So it's, it's a shame to see, but I think as we're talking through, I'm going to say we're as experts, <laughs> yeah, we most, understand. Um, more than most, right? <laughs> more than most, yes, yes. I'll, I'll give us that title. But you know what? The Wizards do take on the Pelicans in their next game of the NBA restart. So coming up, I'd love to get into that, as well as your conversation with Troy Brown Jr. here on Locked on Wizards. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Time to get into the Wizards-Pelicans matchup. We've got Matt Moderno here, host of Believe in Wizards podcast with Larry Hughes and writer with Bullets Forever. Now, Matt, you had the chance to talk with Troy Brown Jr. on your show earlier this week. And Troy Brown Jr. has played a – he's won a number of hats for the Wizards. He's played point guard. We hear him. He's trying to be more vocal. He's just really trying to find any way to, to fill in the gaps and help this Wizards group in the restart. You know, I'm curious to know your initial takeaway from your conversation with him um, just, just having a chance to hear his perspective in that interview. Uh, the main takeaway, honestly, is is totally off the court. He's just like a really good guy. Um, it, it was, it was that was the sort of first impression is just, you know, the Wizards got a good one from a character standpoint. That's obviously been sort of a priority for them is getting people uh, that are good locker room presence, you know, presences. Uh, but he, <laughs> he he definitely you know fits that bill. He's just. He's he's thoughtful. He's sort of quiet and and reflective at certain points, but but also just like, you know, a nice young kid. I mean, that's that's sort of the was the first takeaway. And he has the right mindset. I think he's sort of not listening to any of the the chatter about oh he hasn't shot well in the bubble. He has to shoot well. It's he's focusing on what he can do well. And one of the things we've talked a lot about on our show and, and Larry's perspective was just that shooting is a lot about reps like the nba line is really far away and and you have to have muscle memory to to be able to shoot that at a reasonable level no matter how good your form is so i think the thing for him now is just sort of 
you know, time and maturation, uh, you know, somewhat physically, but also just, just getting shots up, having another off season to keep working on that, keep improving. And, and it seems like he's going to be the guy to do that. I think everything we heard from him uh, was just really positive and it just, it's reflective of the kind of mindset you want guys to have. They want to play hard when, when other guys aren't like, he's willing to speak up and say, Hey, like we have to be better more consistently. And, you know, or he's also the first guy to kind of say like, Hey, that's, that was my fault. Um, and it's just, you know, one of the things that's been frustrating covering this team has been, there's been a lot of, you know, this year, especially where it's, Hey, we lost that game. We have to be better on defense. And mm-hmm. everybody says that. And then the next game, it's the exact same thing. Well, guys have to step up. It's like, well, the person saying that also should probably take, take a little more responsibility for that too. And, and I, I think you, you feel that with Troy, like it's, I think part of it is also just, again, being young is he talked a little bit about, you know, not, not being able to shake off the last play quick enough when he makes a mistake sometimes. And that's a hard thing to do is sort of have that next play mentality. So everything was really encouraging. I would obviously, um, you know, hope people will, will check it out because I think they're going to come away you know, with your really high opinion of Troy. And it'd be a tough thing for someone to listen to, I think, and not at least be a fan of Troy Brown, the person. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, we've had so many just, you know, knuckleheads on on this team over the last 15 years, you know, scattered in and out. So to me, just to have likable guys is a step in the right direction. I honestly could see all of that through just not only what he says, you know, in, in any sort of press conference and interview, but also between the fact that he just turned 21 years old, we see him balling in the bubble with his vlog. We see him just consistently his actions matching his words. You know, that's something that I also picked up on. He was like, I have to do a better job of being vocal. I have to do a job, you know, after the Wizards played the Lakers and had a very um, average performance, came out flat in their third scrimmage of the restart against the Lakers. He wasn't pointing the finger at anyone. He was holding himself accountable and saying, you know what? I need to make sure that I'm always bringing the energy. That's what I can bring for this team. I, and, and speaking it, verbal, like vocalizing it, instead of it just being like, you know, I have to do better. No, he, he actually broke down, this is what I, I should be doing, this is what I didn't do, this is what I'm going to do, and was very responsible in taking that blame on himself. And that is something you see a lot of players do often. It's a very young mindset of just pushing the blame. You know, and whereas a true competitor can take the blame and say, you know, yes, we as a team may need to be better defensively, but I need to be the one that's starting to, to make that change happen for us. Yeah, I mean, a, a good friend of mine always says you got to point the thumb and not the finger. And, Bingo. And, um, I think Troy does that, but also I think they're a close enough group that, that these guys can go up to each other and say like, hey, that, that wasn't good enough. And it's not, they're not attacking anybody. It's just sort of like a, hey man, we've got to do better. Um, you know, one comment I heard this sort of, during the quarantine in another interview that, that resonated with me was something that Rip Hamilton said about, you know, he was pretty bad defensively in Washington and, and he got at least, you know, a good amount better when he went to Detroit. And it's because his teammates there held him accountable and it was a culture of, of defense and, and not wanting to let your teammates down. So mm-hmm. if all those guys make that a priority, it, it stops becoming acceptable. Like at a certain point, you can only rely on your coach to tell you like, Hey, here's the scheme so many times. And it becomes an effort pride sort of thing. And I think these guys are, are close knit enough that they can start to do that to each other. Yeah. And I, I love that 
that term of great locker room guys, because that's what this Wizards group is going to need. Now when you add back in your, your all-stars and should be all-star Bradley Beal of this past year, but it's okay. Um, and when you bring back in those three, when you have, you know, everybody on the floor together, that does go such a long way. When you're able to hold each other accountable, when you're able to have the right mindset and focus as a group, instead of it being pointing the blame, it's easy when things are going wrong to blame others, to, to, you know, to redirect instead of taking ownership of that. So for them to have this opportunity to really come together as a team, and I know I say opportunity a million times, I feel like around this group, but it really is a chance for them to really come together off the floor to be able to have that comfort level that if someone is, is speaking up and demanding more from you, you're not taking it the wrong way because it's, you've already done the work to build that relationship. Exactly. So now it's, it's you're taking it as a brother, as a friend versus as someone that's coming after you or attacking you. you know, so moving into their game versus the Pelicans, right now the Wizards still have a lot to play for. No, it's not, it may not be the playoffs or a play-in game, but we're talking moving forward for this franchise. It's another chance for them to compete, another chance to see how they match up especially playing against Zion Williamson, who's been showing out in the bubble and, and doing well as he's been easing back in with trying to get more minutes. So for you, what's your biggest focus point that you think that the Wizards should have coming into this? Because you can't – Rome wasn't built overnight. They're not, they can't come in and expect to change a million things. But coming into this game, what do you think is the one or maybe two biggest things that they should look to do differently against the Pelicans? Uh, you know, one of the things Larry's talked about on our show is just that all the moral victories are nice and, and you can have the right mindset and Scott Brooks can say, you know, they're not losing, they're learning how to win as many times as he wants, but it's going to be a long off season if they can't come out of there with at least one win, you know, like I, I, Larry's, he said at least two for him, but I'll, at this point I'll take one. Um, it just, you know, that they, they've sacrificed a reasonable amount. I know they get paid a lot and all that stuff that you hear, but it's it's a long time away from friends family all that good stuff and in sort of weird conditions and I think that'd just be more easy to you know to have kind of a nice transition into the off season if, if you got at least one win under your belt while you're there it seems a little less of a like a waste of time if you go one and seven as opposed to one and eight so mm-hmm. I think they're going to get one of these last four you know at the very least and to me this is sort of the one uh, I think the Pelicans are like one and three so far. And, and the two games I've, I've seen them play just most recently against the Kings, uh, they did not look particularly great. I mean, Ingram scoring and Drew Holiday does what Drew Holiday does. And uh, I think Zion scoring like a point a minute or something crazy in the bubble. But they, they just look disjointed and a little out of sorts too. And, and I, I think, um, you know, this, they're ripe for an upset. I mean, and I think honestly, the Wizards winning this would be an upset just given the personnel disparity at this point. But I, I just see like a consistent effort all the way through. I feel like they've been trending in the right direction. And, mm-hmm. and just talking to Troy about sort of what their frame of mind is right now, I think they're hungry. So I have a good feeling about this one. Yeah, maybe this will be the first and this will be the one that they can get. I do think with having so much youth across this Pelicans team and players that really haven't been able to figure their their own roles out either. You know, you look across the Pelicans, players like Lonzo Ball, of course, as you mentioned, Drew Holiday is Drew Holiday. You know what you're going to get from him. But Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, I mentioned Brandon Ingram. There's, there's a lot of players that are playing pivotal roles in this Pelican squad that still don't have – they're not consistently night in and night out playing at the same level. You know, J.J. Redick is, is going to be able to knock down shots. Drew Holiday is going to be able to pl- play strong defensively. And of course, on offense, be a leader for them. 
Zion is, is, as we mentioned, and as we've been seeing, still working back in to be able to, to play without restrictions and just play. So there's still a lot of shakiness going on with this Pelicans group. You know, I, I watched them against the Grizzlies and, and felt the same way and even seeing uh, moments of their game against the Kings most recently because as we're watching teams, each game is, although they play every other day, you know, each game is in itself should be some sort of growth, some sort of change. So watching them from start to now, I do think they're beatable, and I think the Wizards can absolutely come in and match up with them if they can play consistently from start to finish on both ends of the floor. So, Matt, thank you for joining me here on Locked on Wizards. Let's see what happens. Maybe this will be the day that the Wizards get their first win of the NBA restart. I think that'll go such a long way, as you mentioned, with these young players that are out there each and every day busting their butts, working hard, away from their families, whole, you know, in the bubble, sacrificing to be there, to have that victory that can now kind of get them mentally back on track and be able to, to have that. It's a small victory, literally. But it's, it's something, you know, to come down and lose every game versus coming down and getting a win or, or two. Like Larry said, maybe they do get two. But, you know, let's see if it starts Friday. So thank you for joining us here on Locked on Wizards. Where can people follow you to keep up with all of your coverage and content? Uh, Twitter is a good one. Uh, just at Matt Moderno, M-O-D-D-E-R-N-O. And then make sure to, to check out our show. It's Believe in Wizards, B-L-E-A-V. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're a once-a-week podcast. So... Our, uh, our episode with Troy Brown Jr. is, is it, uh, you know, out in the latest one. So, you know, we'll take all the feedback we can get. Hey, thanks for having me. Great job with the show so far. I definitely enjoy listening. So uh, it's been good to chat. Thank you. Thank you. And I will say, Matt, this is so corny, but I have to say it. If I was hosting that show, you know, that I, I, I believe, I believe that, you know, I feel like I would be adding that into my show. It's coming at some point. <laughs> All right, cool. Because I, I'm like, it's the first thing I think of when I hear believe in and, you know, whatever, whichever show it may be. It's like the first thing that comes to mind. And then also with this Wizards group, time to believe in these Wizards. Yes, that was Absolutely. cheesy, I know. But thank you again for joining me. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks a lot. So let's hope we can send some positive vibes towards the Wizards and help them get over that hump, get that weight off their shoulders to help them win their first game of the NBA restarts. Pelicans, Wizards, 8 p.m. Eastern time Friday. I believe, I believe that they can win. Let's see what happens. And thank you all for tuning in so much. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a, a rating, hopefully a five-star review if you're nice. And be sure to tune in for our daily content around the Wizards. Have a good one. Let's go, Wizards. And I'll see you guys on Monday. Washington out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.